This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Brian Cini. You may know him as NRL Physio. Hello. Guys, it is good to be on. I am excited. Uh, here to talk some good footy for round 24. Yeah, and also we'll preview the Souths game. So uh, <laughs> we'll start off with Thursday night's affair. Um, a much closer game than I think anybody was predicting, Brian, and certainly a much more controversial uh, game than anyone predicted because I-, I would say that despite Penrith running out 12-point winners, there was one, if not two tries that came in in very controversial circumstances. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you, you don't want to jump in and do ref's fault too hard, but I, I just thought, like, to your point, this game was a lot closer than I expected, so mm. I, I wasn't expecting the refereeing to really come into it. But I think it genuinely did tonight. I thought the two teams were relatively evenly matched, albeit a silly kicking duel, which I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> um, but other than that, I thought I thought it was a really, really tight game. And and two, you know, big calls. I mean, the obvious one was the Stephen Crichton one, but just watching on the couch and there wasn't really any replays of it. I thought there was a little knock on. I think it was even by Nathan Cleary um, when there were kicks. There was kicks got it backwards and forwards and the set got restarted and then Toto scored in the corner and I thought there was a little knock on miss there as well so um yeah you know th- those things happen and uh and the Panthers obviously came out on the better side of it but it just I I didn't think that would kind of have any influence I thought it'd just be more of a blowout no it's quite surprising because yeah there none of us gave merely much of a hope in this one and especially after the first 10 to 15 minutes they weren't showing a whole lot like they got that like it was kind of kind of representative of how we all thought this game was going to go, that they get that early interception through Josh Schuster. And of all the options he could have taken, he chose by a distance the worst one, which I believe was uh, trying to tell Brad Parker to beat uh, Brian Toto in a foot race, which uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't turn out the way that he'd envisioned it. And then, of course, predictably, a couple of minutes later, Penrith reverse the script and get an intercept around. I got to say, of all the Stephen Crichton interceptions I've watched, that was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> um, and so, and I think at that point when they scored, we just kind of thought that Penrith were going to go on with it, but they weren't as polished and as sharp as they have been in, in the last couple of weeks. And um, I think Manly managed to find a bit of a weakness with um, with uh, what's his face uh, with um, uh, Luke Summerton on debut. Yes. They they targeted him for that top Sipley try and then a very nice finish by Ruben Gack and all of a sudden you think you think Manly are gonna are gonna go into the half on top and I, once again I just thought that Daly Chair Evans especially was just superb in that opening half yeah big time I think he uh you know I was sitting there thinking I've got to talk to you after the game and thinking is this going to be a continuation of uh, DCE sort of getting one over Nathan Cleary this year after after the Origin series and stuff like that I know that's been a big discussion point um, this year, but yeah, look, I mean, Cleary to his credit, um, after a pretty quiet sort of opening, you know, first part of the first half and even really the whole first half itself, I thought he controlled the game really well in the second mm. half and sort of just, you know, tighten the screws like he always does. Yeah. And I guess it helps when you take the lead in bizarre circumstances. So here's the thing. People were hypothesizing that that was a set play for Saab or something like that, but he kicked it right down the middle of the field. So it was like, was he, did he get his angles wrong? Was he trying to completely crossfield kick it to the other side? But like, I, I just didn't understand what 
It was clearly by design. Like Ruben Garrett yeah. didn't catch that ball and decide I'm just going to hoof this. Like it was clearly a plan that they talked about during the week at some point. But uh, I guess if they when they floated it said, oh, what's the worst that could happen? Um, <laughs> well, we saw the worst that could happen. And I'm glad that they didn't call it back for a ticky tack obstruction. Yeah. I think that the uh, which manly defender was it? Was it Croker that did his best yeah. to try and milk that? But you know, I didn't think anyone was impeded there. And Taruva, who we really do sleep on in our rookie of the year chat, and he still wouldn't be in my top one or two or maybe even three, but he's had a very, very good season. And that was just some, some fine work from him as well, who I think is going to become an even bigger part of this team next year when Stephen Crichton leaves. Yeah, mate, look, you will not find a guy on the face of this earth, more a fan of shenanigans on a rugby league field. <laughs> um, so I, like the idea I was all about, you know, get, get some force and backs happening, kicking jewels. I love it. I just think the execution probably was lacking mm. in this case. One of the things that I actually think, and look, this is just dumb me, but I, I think one of the least used tactics in the comp that I think would be really good for a team behind is the old 2040, which just seems we've to had not like be two used. ever, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, if you're behind and it's third tackle or something like that, just give it a hoof. Like mm. some of these guys, like your DCEs and stuff like that with big, big boots on them. So yeah, like stuff like that. I'm all about, I love a kicking jewel. I love some creativity, and but yeah, maybe not the best execution. Not only did we get a kicking jewel, we got the shifty show and optional restart right <laughs> yeah, on half time as well. I mean, I, I I was very confused as to why Jerry was allowing play to continue. Oh, wasn't that I didn't just, know. And oh. that just gave us false hope. Just let the boys play. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna stand out there for 30 seconds, but yeah, I think I um whenever me and friend of the show Neil Desmond are together, it, Brent Sherwin inevitably comes up, and we spend several <laughs> minutes talking about optional restarts. So I texted him as soon as that happened. He said, "I'm going back to the office to cut the shifty tape right now." But nice to see one of those because that has also been a dying art. And I guess you're like, there's never a better time to do that when there's five seconds left in the half. But of course, clock runs out, nothing happens, and um, Manly, Manly like had a couple of half chances late on in the second half, but never really threatened to get back in the contest. I thought once, once Penrith took the lead and that's probably season over. I think that even if they win the remaining three Nick games, that'd be 12 and a half wins, right? Which would be not enough. So I think that that would be their say. And it's a shame. I do think they were on the wrong end of a few bad calls. So even right at the end there, that pass from Madison, a clear knock on, I thought from, um, was it Brian Mm. Toto out there on that wing? And just didn't get called. Touch judge was staring at it. Don't know what happened there. And they didn't scream out backwards or anything. So I think they just missed it cold. And, you know, if, you, if you're a team like Manly and playing a team like Penrith, not only do you have to play well, you've got to get that stuff go your way. And I, I suppose, I mean, the only thing is, like, Manly probably weren't going to make the finals anyway. And the only people that really get screwed over by this are Broncos fans who are still <laughs> sweating on Penrith dropping one more game at some point to give them some breathing room for that minor premiership. But uh, as it stands... They will still uh, Penrith still control their own destiny, right? Because the the the, the Broncos have another buy, so they've got the same number of losses yeah. with Penrith having one fewer buy, so they can win all their remaining games and finish first. So if you're a Broncos fan, I guess you're kind of annoyed with what happened. If you're a Manly fan, you're very filthy, um, and everybody else, I guess, like yeah. I mean, I watched it. I felt bad for them, but I also was like, eh, whatever. Like you know, it's Manly. Yes. My question to you, Bungard, we, I, I sort of see, and it's actually a discussion point amongst mm. my mates a lot about, I find it really surprising or well, not surprising, but re- a really interesting discussion point, how successful 
um, the Panthers are, even when Cleary's out, because Cleary definitely <laughs> gets talked about, you know, in the, in, in the upper echelons of, you know, players in the history of the game. Uh, but Manly, oh, sorry, Penrith just seemed to roll on, even when Cleary's not there. So my question to you is, with the performance of, a, you know, a little bit lacking in the first half, is the biggest star in the Penrith Panthers, Mitch, Mitch Kenny? Kenny? Yep, yep. Of course. Yeah, it has to be. Like, who else... <laughs> Who else could it be? It's not like they were missing anybody else of importance no. in their spine. That Cleary thing is so funny. Like the way the stats were laid out there the other week um, about how they've like never really missed him in yeah. games where only he is out. And I think that is just a testament to their effort, their structures, 100%. everything that they do. I'm a lot higher in Nathan Cleary than a lot of the more snarky NRL fans are. A lot of people act like he's, you know, a, a glorified Kyle Flanagan, which I think is mm. extremely disrespectful, but Perhaps the answer is somewhere in the middle because as good as Nathan Cleary was in the second half tonight and as great as I think he's been in the NRL over the last three to four seasons especially, like if the team is still winning the exact same number of games with Jack Cogger there or Kurt Falls or Sean O'Sullivan or whoever else, it's like, well, yeah. Like I, I don't mm. know what the what's the answer. I actually don't know. Yeah. Is, it possible it, that, is it possible that he's awesome but the team is so awesome anyway that they can yeah. lose an awesome player and it doesn't matter? Because it feels like you could take that Cleary thing and replace anyone in the, any single one player. Actually, I might reverse the question on you. Who's the single most irreplaceable player in that team right now? I think it's it, – is it Dylan Edwards or is it oh, James I was just about Harris? to say, for me, it's Dylan Edwards. I, like, I think Dylan Edwards or even Isaiah Yo, just because of the shape that he has or the role that he has in their shape and attack. Mm. Um, I think those two roles are probably the hardest to replace because yeah. as good as Stephen Crichton is – I don't think he's a Dylan Edwards in the way that he well, plays. I, I, just coming at this from my, I, I watched my team go go to war with Penrith, you know, a dozen times over the past three seasons, and the only time we got them in a massive game, who wasn't playing, Dylan Edwards. Yeah. Yep. As the game 100%. Stephen Crane was a foot, and of course Edwards came back three weeks later, the grand final played well, and they beat us. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know who it is, but like it, the Cleary thing is just fascinating to me because, like, yeah, I we I find it really really interesting. Like from a like the the group chat that I'm a part of with all mm. my sort of schoolmates and stuff like that really goes off every time someone like Joey or you know JT or someone comes out and says, oh, you know, Cleary's got more accomplishments than I did at my age, and, which yeah, it's not true. It just isn't yeah. true. Right? Like, <laughs> so there's uh, and every time that happens, the group chat lights up because obviously a, a few proud Queenslanders and they kind of get fired up with that kind of stuff. So I can get it from that perspective. I think there is a bit of hyperbole that comes out in terms of, you know, he's going to be an immortal of the game and all this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think to your point saying that he's, he, he's a Jack Cogger or a Sean O'Sullivan or something like that. that it's not, as you so I think it lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, like, do I think he's the best halfback in the world? Probably. Yes. yes. Pro I, I probably still think he is along. And I think that like Adam Reynolds and Ben Hunt are sort of just below him, but, yeah. and Sean, and well, not maybe with Sean, with Sean having a great year, but you know, that, that was a bit of a resurgence. He hasn't been, he had a couple of lean ones before that, but like, I think it's just really a testament to the way that footy has kind of gone away from the importance of like star playmakers, like in John's day or even in Thurston's day to an extent, because like it's so much more now about line speed, about your structures, about your shapes and all that stuff that just wasn't like, obviously they had all that stuff back then, but there was, I guess maybe it was a little bit slower and there was a little bit more, more room for like individual brilliance, if you will. Whereas now it's sort of like Penrith are, in my opinion, the best example ever of just like a well-oiled machine where you can take out any cog or any part and it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree. I, I, yeah, I just think that obviously Mitch Kenny is that cog that mm. just uh, struggles to be replaced. Yep, I can't argue with that. And if you'd like to get added to uh, Brian's uh, close friends group chat, patreon.com forward slash Auburn rookies. <laughs> um, that's a tier three perk. I actually had one of the guys in that, funnily enough, in that group chat message me just today for some injury advice, and he oh. sent me a photo of his ankles. <laughs> Fantastic. That's perfect. And I did reply to that. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, to let the listeners under the kimono a little bit, that no one's even heard that yet because of course that that we we recorded the the, the preview show before this game tonight. Yes. So they didn't even know about their new perk yet. So that guy's ahead <laughs> of the curve. So good on him. And good on the Penrith Panthers for getting it done and keeping that minor premiership race interesting. Oh, I guess the big loser are the Cowboys, right? Because every win the Panthers have is yeah. less likely going to rest people in that last game, which the Cowboys are probably going to win to win to make the finals. But anyway. Yeah, the poor old Cowboys. I think they they should have won the last two weeks, so they've only got themselves to blame. Indeed. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? Right, it is time for another round of What About This Bloke, uh, where we go and take a trip down memory lane and talk about a player, usually from the late 90s, early 2000s, that you might have forgotten about, Brian? Sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favourite thing to do in the entire world. And this week, Lachlan Hancock has nominated Joel Moon. Joel Moon. He's a guy that, when, when, when this nomination came through from Lachlan, I was shocked how few NRL games he played. If you told me over or under 100 games, I would have taken the over without oh, a second thought. Yeah. But 82 between mm-hmm. th- three years at the Bronx and another three at the Warriors. So um, you've actually got a couple of connections to Joel Moon, <laughs> as luck would have it. Mate, I think um, between myself, I've got two really good mates. So one, James, who actually co-hosts my podcast with me and another mate from Gimpy. And I think between the three of us, we've almost got uh, you know, if you get us on the beers, we'll talk about every Queensland rugby league player who went through school footy from the years like 95 to 2005. You know, it seems like we've got everyone covered. You know, Jake Friend chased me down. Andrew McCulloch, you know, knocked me out, like all this kind of stuff. So Joel Moon, not personally, but James uh, played a lot of footy against him. And I asked him, I said, look, what what were your best memories of Joel. Um, so Joel played, he was the star six um, playing mm. for Cloundra, which is up on the sunshine coast. And he was just the, the gun, like everyone knew and everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing. Um, which I, I mean, it's said about a lot of guys. It's a great name too. That's yeah, exactly. And so it's rugby league, rugby league name and big six. He was big for his age, you know, all through the years. But the funny thing about Joel Moon, which I don't know if there's a bit of mayo on this from James because he played for the Namble Crushers, but apparently Namble Crushers won six grand finals in a row against the Calandra Sharks. I think they are, which is Joel Moon's team. So Joel Moon never won a GF through wow. high school, which is a bit of a, the bit James of Graham of Queensland, they call yeah, it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but the big thing uh, sort of James was saying was that like Joel Moon, he played in and around like Matty Gillette, Jack Reed, sort of at that same age in high school. And he just, 
he was that much better than those two guys. Like mm. apparently they did not even touch him. He he was that good. He played, you know, actually interestingly, because we both swore, like I remember he got picked for Australian schoolboys, but interestingly they had him listed at 13 because they had Michael Jennings, Daniel Isaac in the centers. Um, not sure who Daniel Isaac is, unfortunately, but the halves combo, which is fair enough that Joel Moon got pushed a little bit, was Jared Mullen and Mitch Pierce. Yeah, not bad. So, yeah, so, and you had the likes of Dave Taylor, Orbo was in there, Matty Cooper couldn't even make the run on side, he was on the bench, so it was a pretty, um, yeah, pretty gun side, and uh, yeah, like, Moon was just, you know, he, he was an absolute gun, and probably my... My actual best memory of him was, as you know, big Redcliffe Dolphins fan, obviously. Mm. And Joel Moon and his brother, Jason Moon, played a lot of good footy for the Toowoomba Clydesdales. So they have been in and out of Q Cup. They've actually only just come back in. But the big thing this one year, I think it was 2016, that the Clydesdales were awesome. They had Joel and Jason Moon, and they were just tearing shit up. And we played them in, I think it was the first or second week of the finals, and got wiped like 50 to 16. Like, it was just absolutely rolled. And Joel Moon just, you know, dominating, doing his thing. And then the uh, end of this story is that somehow the Dolphins, because we got the second chance, won back through the grand final and we rolled them in the grand final. So Joel Moon, once again, not uh, not winning grand (laughs) finals. That's incredible. Poor Joel. And then, of course, his final season in the NRL is is 2011 yeah. <laughs> where the Warriors lose the grand final. I know, I know. So yeah, Joel Moon, man. I think I, I did have a look. I think he won a couple of comps With over Leeds. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did. So, 20, 2015 and 2017. Apparently. There you go. So thankfully he got a couple, he got a couple. Um, Yeah. And at the end of the day and then me, you know, with my physio staff of interest, mm. I think. Um, So when Joel went over to the Warriors, he went over to play six and he was playing against the Broncos in a finals match. He just signed for, I think, Leeds and was going over the next season. But then uh, if I'll, I'll try and post the video up at some point or, um, and got hip dropped by Corey Parker and fracture dislocated his ankle in the grand, uh, in, in the finals game. So that was the end of Joel Moon's Warriors career because he uh, obviously yeah wasn't coming back from that anytime soon. And then, unfortunately, so he played all over in um, in the UK, came mm. back, signed for the Sunny Coast Falcons, the mighty never Sunny Coast game. Falcons, and never played a game. Retired with knee issues, so not ankle, with knee issues. But, yeah, that was um, – they were the two injury, injury, interesting parts that I found. Do you know who the CEO of the Sunshine Coast Falcons is, by the way? <sighs> Is it Chris Flannery? It is. I, <laughs> yeah, I knew I, it. Yeah, like absolute candidate for what about this bloke? Maybe on another day, but yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Joel Moon. Yeah, it's weird. Like again, he's one of those guys that I think of more as a warrior than a Bronco. But he split his time there across both clubs over three seasons. Did play a couple more games for the Warriors. But yeah, it's just a shame that, as I said, that his 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 career in the NRL ended in the in that game in 2011. And uh, yeah, it's I. I I'm not sure. Did, did we ever see the best of him? I, he's, he's, I think to me, he's one of those guys that, as you said, like had so much hype coming mm. in and he just like, he was a really solid player, really good player. But I, yeah, I, I think that like, he's another one of those guys that 
there's a bit of a what if factor over it. Yeah. He well he came in for the Bronx and I mean D Lock was at six and mm, John Moon's best position was six. Tough so, guy to displace. Yeah, so you you're really gonna struggle there. And so he got put out at center a bit. Like I'm not saying that if he played six he would have been a worldie, but you know, we've all played those guys throughout like and I just remember, you know, hearing about him just being that good um as a six, sort of growing up through Queensland local footy and stuff like that. Mm. So I wasn't surprised to see him make the NRL by any means, but I was like half surprised, I guess, that they um that he didn't get sort of a well, no, not really. I was I was I wouldn't say surprised, I was disappointed that he didn't get uh, a big run at the six jersey. Well it's interesting, right? Because him. he goes to the Waz and they've got in 09, they've got Lancer Hire, who mm. was no slouch. And then Ohio leaves to go to the Super League. And you think that's gonna be it's gonna be Moon's chance. But of course the Waz signed James Maloney that same year. And he basically makes that jersey his own. And Joel Moon only ends up, he plays he plays a few games at six in 2009 when um, when is not in the team. And then 2000, over, across 2010, he only plays at 5-8 five, five times. And then in 2011, he's just a pure centre, as, of course, we had Maloney and Sean Johnson sort of skip, uh, steering that Warriors team on their yeah. charmed run to the, to the finals. Wow, man, what a... Um, what a relic of how dumb the McIntyre system was, by the way. The Warriors finished sixth in 2011. And in that game where Joel Moon got injured, lost 40 to 10 to Brisbane and still made the grand final. <laughs> Fantastic. And we're, oh, what, what a system. Um, so I'm so glad neither Nick Canton or Scott Bailey is here right now. Yeah, because they would be too. arguing vociferously about why that's actually a good thing that a team can do that. Oh, but anyway, that trash. Joel Moon... We salute you. And the random number generator for next week has thrown up Joe as our uh, submissant for a player. I believe Joe is a big Raiders man. Uh, The Raiders have a deep, deep roster of guys. So I await uh, with bated breath to see what Joe throws up at us. And with that done, let's move ahead and talk about the footy to come this weekend, uh, starting with the resurgent Cronulla Sharks hosting the Gold Coast Titans at Shark Park in the first league of our Sun uh, Friday doubleheader. Um, a week ago, you would have assumed that Cronulla were going to lose that game in Perth and that this game would have been firmly last chance saloon for them in, in, in regards to their hopes of making the finals. But they've suddenly got a tiny, tiny bit of breathing room. But in saying that, you would still, given the games they've got left to come as well, you would still expect them to take care of business here if they want to have any hopes of securing a top eight or god forbid a, a home final uh in a few weeks time oh man if they can't if they can't get it done here i mean you know they've got that reputation of turning up against bottom eight sides at home uh you know they've got a relative like they've lost alpha Nukin in recent times but they've still got most of their cattle there um you know the titans without mofo as well mm. like that that's a big loss for them i feel he's been really really solid this year no aj brimson as well even though Jaden campbell's probably looked better than him in recent times so yeah i i yeah if the if the sharks can't run up a score here then i don't think i mean i'm sure there's not too many people tipping them for a deep finals run at this point in time anyway but yeah they really need to show something here i thought connor tracy was really good at fullback deputizing for Will Kennedy last week. I think he he played well. And I think that that's a fear that they might've had uh, going into that game was, was because so, Kennedy is just with, especially in their backline movements, he's so important the way he gets involved, the way he gets the ball in his hands, but Tracy was safe at the back. He didn't, did enough in attack, I guess. And um, they, they kind of just need their back five to just 
match it with the Titans because I think they've got a clear advantage, especially without without Mofo, as you said. They've got a clear advantage in the rest of the field against the Titans, in my opinion. It's just those both of these teams have dangerous backlines on their day. So I think that's could be where this game is won and lost. Yeah, I think the one X factor uh, is good gimpy boy Tino for Asuma Liawi. Being, uh, being back, he could go bonkers. So that that's probably the one thing is if Tino comes out and has one of those worldly games that he, we know he can have, that might turn it on its head a little bit. Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, they've got Jamin Jolloff starting instead of Mofo. Where does he rank in terms of the greatest Jamins to ever play in the NRL? <laughs> Top two. Jamin Lowe has to be number one there, of course. But uh, yeah, I'd say number number two or number three. Yeah. Wait, who's the other Jamin? I don't know. I'm just leaving. Oh, Jamin Salmon is spelled differently. (laughs) But we can count him, I think. Well, actually, Jamin Jolliffe and Jamin Lowe, I think, are spelled differently as well. So we've got three Jamins, none of whom spell their name the same. Um, what a crew. We had, uh, if we would, we were running through, um, the St. George injury list the other day and they had three Jadens on the yeah, injury they, list. They're heavy on the Jadens. And all spelt differently. Mm. <laughs> all three is fantastic. Oh, Jaden Beryl. I liked him in that Q Cup grand final. I saw him in, mm. in a couple of years ago and he signed with the Sharks. I just never seen him. He's on the, he's in the number 22 for this game, but yeah. Oh, well. yeah, no. Him and KL Eero, I've, I've heard yeah. like all I heard about him was he was once again going to be the next, yeah. you know, next thing for, for the Sharks. They were talking, do we re-sign Will Kennedy? But yeah, he just hasn't got, got a shot at all. Yeah, I'll take the Sharks in this one. Um, yeah, relatively re- relatively comfortably. The the rate of the Titans have lost Sam Verrills for the rest of the season as well, we should mention. So uh, Chris Randall's been okay, but... Um, you know, that, that's just another another injury in their forwards, or another out, I should say, because, you know, Mofo's not injured. But, yeah, I think that Cronulla's big weakness is their forward pack, but I don't think outside of Tino and Fafita, the Titans are offering a lot either. So I like the Sharks to take care of business. Yeah, I'm the same, mate. Lock in the Sharks. All right. And then the second game on Friday night, I really do feel like this is it for the Parramatta Eels as they travel <laughs> to the Gabba to play oh, the, the red fortress. Brisbane Broncos undefeated at the Gabba this year, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, is this last, I mean, they were f- so lucky on Sunday to get past the dragons. And I do feel like with their last three games, I think, what is it? The roosters Penrith. And is that it? Roosters Penrith after this yeah, for Parramatta. Yeah, so, yeah. and a bye. So I think they've got to win this and I don't yeah. think they're going to. <laughs> Mate, they got by. They got through by the crooked, uh, crooked uh, Clint Gutherson dislocated finger. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Yeah, but it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. Uh, look, I like you know whether whether you think that was that was a try or not. Like the fact that it was it was even got down to that being the decider of the game was quite mm-hmm. disappointing. I think for for the Eels, the fact that that was kind of you know even relevant in the in the end result. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't ideal. So yeah, the Bronx look the Bronx. I I'll be honest. I I tipped the cows last week once Adam yeah. Reynolds got ruled That's out. Fair. I thought you know the cows at home uh, thought they would show something, and they did not show much. And and to be fair, not only did they not show much, but the Bronx were really really good. So mm. I think they're really starting to hit their their straps. I, I'm I am surprised that they're throwing Jordan Ricky straight back in there at um at second row. I thought Piakura 
has sort of looked really, really good. And, and Ricky coming off an injury that is, is, you know, known for sort of, you know, having to ease guys back in workload wise. I thought they'd bring him up off the bench, but I don't think that'll make much difference. I, like I think the, the, um, Bronx should win pretty comfortably here. Yeah, again, like it's it's just this this curse with Parramatta all year. They've not been able to get their all their good middles on the field at the same time. Of course, Campbell Gillard's still on the sidelines, and Vera Mugrig now coming off the bench with Joe o starting. I just I can't see the Parramatta four pack having the firepower to go with the Broncos, and then like a, out like obviously I think Penasini's had some good games this year. Bader Simonson has been surprisingly okay for them in some weeks, but. Aside from like some desperation, Clint Gutherson efforts in defense, like I'm struggling to see how that Parramatta backline, Dejan Arzi defending in the centers as well, is going to be able to contain the Bronx here. I I will come to the defense of Arcee a little bit because he has been playing a bit of center at cup level and mm. doing quite well. I mean, it is cup, so you know you take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I I'm probably higher on Arcee than most. I think he's a pr- like a really solid like first grader. I think he's a good um, player. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But playing at center. Yeah. Especially when you got Herbie and Katoni on the mm. other sides. Um, so yeah, I completely, completely agree with you there. I think it's uh, especially looking at those forward packs, as you say, I think at full strength, the yields could, uh, could probably go toe to toe, but yeah, there's just a few little gaps in there at this point in time. Mm. And look, this is, it's kind of got similar vibes to that game earlier this year where they played Souths and no one gave them a chance and they came out there and had probably the best performance of the season. But I think mm. Brisbane have shown they're much more consistent than Souths this year and they don't really have those clunkers in their locker the way the Rabbitohs have shown, especially in the last few weeks. So, yeah, look, I'm going to take the Broncos with relative confidence. I think the the, the betting lines reflect that as well. Broncos $1.30, Eels $3.50. And, yeah, obviously, uh, looking, looking real tough for Parramatta now they've got to start looking at other games we're of course recording this part of the program before Manly play on 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 Thursday night so I mean heaven forbid they spring an upset of a Penrith I don't think they will but there's just so many teams that Parramatta now have to look around and hope that they are dropping games left and right and they almost you almost think they have to go three and oh at this point at the very very least two and one so yeah losing here I think it could be curtains for them. And I think that is what is going to happen. It's just a massive stinker at the bottom end of the eight, isn't it? It's like fucked, last man. week, like the eels, the rabbits, you know, the cows, you're, you're all like, come on guys, like give us something. And even though the eels won, like I don't think any of those sides convinced us in the slightest that they were ready for finals footy, you know, no. like the Knights are now in like fifth or si- no, what are they? Six seventh, or seven. Seventh, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and those kind of sides, like your I, also the Knights are in seventh and they play sixth and eighth in yeah. oh, uh, mate, the, after this weekend in their next two games in, in Sharks and Rabbitohs. So yeah, th- they've got it all really like, they like the, the those those teams like I guess that's kind of the good thing for Parramatta and the Cows, right? Is that is that all of those teams play each other? Yeah. So like yeah. the the Sharks and Rabbitohs played last week, of course, and then the Knights played both of those two teams in the next couple of weeks. So I I guess that is some sort of silver lining for Para and to North Queensland. But yeah, it doesn't really. It's not going to be much of a silver lining if they lose this one, and I think they will. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm the same. I I'm tipping the Bronx. All right, South Sydney. Uh, hosting the Dragons. It's a miracle, Brian. We're finally taking a team that isn't from fucking Queensland. 
to Queensland. <laughs> what a great idea. Why don't we do this all the time instead of playing the Broncos in the Sunshine Coast and the but Cowboys you're also in flying Cairns. back from Perth to that's do it. Right. So like I, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't understand that. But anyway. No, that's yeah, but thank God for once we're playing <laughs> in Cairns and it's not against the bloody Cowboys. It's Souths against the Dragons. Um uh, obviously no Tom Burgess. He's going to be on the sidelines until the finals. Should they make the finals? God, what a cursed sentence. Mm. Um, but some big outs for uh, the Dragons this week as well. A nice, like Zach Lomax, I think has been playing awesome lately. So I'm pretty delighted from a South Sydney point of view that he's been ruled out with, I think a shoulder issue. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And then shoulder. no Jack Bird, no Frank Molo either. So you're looking at a Dragons forward pack already without uh, DeBellin and without a couple of other guys. And it's just, you think if Souths have any ounce of Dinkum left in them, I know there's no Tom Burgess. I know there's no Junior Zatola still, and there's no Harme Sele, but fuck me. this On paper, this Dragons forward pack looks absolutely dire. And if, if Souths have anything about them, they have to take care of business in this one. Yeah, mate. I mean, I said about the Sharks, you know, if, if they're going to show us anything, they need to put up a score on the Titans, like times that by two for the Rabbits. And probably not even put up a score, I mean, from the outside looking in. The thing that's been so disappointing for me, and it's stating the obvious, is the defense. Like, yes. so, like, if they let in, like, if they, even if they win this and they win it like 30, 36 to 20, 20 or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll be like, rabbit, yeah, like, I'll be like, that is not good enough from South. So I think South need to keep them to below, you know, let's say 12 points and, mm. and, and score some, some good points themselves. Yeah. And look, I mean, They've just been getting killed out wide on both sides of the ball lately. I think like Harodi danced through South's right edge defense last week. And you had, of course, Katoa breaking down the other side to score that try and stepping through Luttrell. So worrying signs there. Ravalo has been fantastic recently, but a large part of that has been the ball that Lomax has been giving him. So no no, no Lomax is like Max Fenai in the centers there. So bit of a change, I think. And yeah, I, I just... I don't know. I, 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 there's just so many. The Dragons have so many good players not playing, and yeah. uh, South were dollar ten in this game, but they were dollar ten last week as well. So, yeah. oh mate, uh, if you read out that forward, like I'm, I'm a obviously a massive Finns fan, and there's not many forward packs that I would stand there and say we would uh, would get one over. But the yeah, this forward pack. I think if you read that forward pack to a Dragons fan at the start of the year, they would have been horrified that that was the starting mm. pack in round twenty four. Yep. All right, I'm taking Souths and taking them to win comfortably. Please, yep. boys. That could be a like that's that's that game into Matildas on Saturday. So that I could be a sad, sad man. <laughs> I'm Saturday taking night. I'm taking Souths to win thirty six to thirty two. I mate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think, well, that was close to the score when they played last, like, a few weeks ago. I think it was yeah, 36-30, yeah. right? Where South, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. only worked out in the 77th minute that maybe they should run Campbell Graham at Moses Sully. Oh, Hopefully they work that out earlier than the 77th minute this time. Who the who the hell knows? Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, the West Tigers taking a home game to Hamilton uh, <laughs> like, uh, against the Warriors. We just talked about South taking oh, Queensland teams to Queensland. I think taking the Warriors to a regional area of New Zealand. Is it Hamilton regional? I don't fucking know. Yeah. But like, regardless, it's in New Zealand. And yeah, I'm not sure why they're doing that. But um, with that, with, with with I think the bookies have taken that in mind and the Warriors are even more short price favorites than they otherwise would have been. Uh, no chance Nuka Klukstar, I guess, is the big talking point for this week. Uh, Taune Tuapiki coming in at fullback. If I said that right, I don't know. Maybe I did my best. That's all you can ask. Oh, wow. um, thank you. And, uh, 
the Waz has been rolling recently, haven't they? Mm. I know that like there was honestly they were a little bit fortunate to beat the twelve man Titans last week, but they still won, so that doesn't matter. Uh, they get Bunty Afoa back. That's good. He, I thought he's been having a pretty impressive season. Uh, he's only on the extended bench, though, so he may have another week off. We'll see. But they've still got Fanua Blake. They've still got Jackson Ford. They've still got Toho Harris. They've still got Wade Egan. Um, and I think the Tigers forward pack has stood up a little bit better in recent weeks than they have done for large chunks of the year. I think Appy is just throwing the kitchen sink at these games every single week. Clem has been playing well. Um like, you know, a couple of those other guys, Stefano back as well. So I'm actually kind of intrigued at this forward battle. I think it's 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 relatively evenly matched, but with the way that the Warriors backline have just been killing teams and the way that the West Tigers at times, especially in their backline, are culpable defensively, I think that this could be some substantial one-way traffic. And that is why... Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. I mean, he's after it. He might have got it down. Train Cup. Anytime you can get the Warriors as an away tip in New Zealand, I think you've got to do it. And you especially got to do it when they're playing the Wooden Spooners. I dare say that this will be close to, if not the most popular pick of the entire Coltrane season for those that are still tipping. I think that like away tips are priceless. Warriors are red hot. Tigers won three games all year. I know they've looked decent in a couple of those ones. They looked decent against South. They were pretty unlucky against Canberra, I thought, last week. But the Warriors aren't going to have two bad games in a row, I don't think. And with a crowd that will be firmly on their side, they should be able to take care of business, in my humble opinion. My streak came, my eight or nine game winning streak came to an end last week with South. So I'm back to the curse. The Bungo curse could be back if the Warriors lose this one, but I, I really don't think they will. No, I'm the same, mate. I think there's there's a couple of interesting points once again on the like on the Tigers side in terms of Dane Laurie's been named at six, which I found quite surprising because by all accounts, he failed the HIA last week like he didn't come back after and i think are you gonna, are you gonna snitch on him no well, like I, I more i'm like yeah i i wonder well, have, they, have they had the discretion well that's what i'm like but the, definitely i think some sort of discretion has had to come in here but who plays six bungard if he gets ruled out like i'm just looking down the list does appy go to six does i could put uh could they put Jareem Buller at six and play John Bateman. Yeah, Bateman so honestly, like I'm, I'm seriously honestly looking be Bateman. The, yeah, or I'm maybe it's at, the... maybe Appy goes to seven, Brook six, and they bring Simpkin in to start. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know much about Kit Lawalili or Josh mm. Faletti. Or... I think Faletti's a center. I know. Okay, that, that might work. Um, there you go. But yeah, mate. I, I, maybe I don't it's know. Him. It's a. Uh, it's definitely a. But strange they wouldn't one. have. Would they have named him if he wasn't allowed to play? Like, no, it... no, no. So I assume that they're going through some sort of process either. So either he's got a, a concussion with like a category two, which you can then, um, I think Reed Marnie did earlier in the year where category two, you just need clearance from an independent doctor, or you can do the Tommy Turbo, um, Connolly Lemuelu path where he's been ruled out category one and they challenge it and say, no, he wasn't concussed in the first place. So it's a whole it's a whole barrel of laughs, really. Uh, but yeah, I just found that interesting. I'm like, if he's named at six, it's just not an obvious sort of um, six. Because I just found it weird that Brandon Wakeham wasn't named. He must be either injured or well off their depth chart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. You you could be like the those guys that used to call up the PGA Tour and report illegal strokes in golf. You should <laughs> you should just tweet about this and get him get him ruled out of the game. 
Oh, mate. It's, um, yeah, but I think uh, looking at that um, Warriors team list, it is very solid, especially that forward pack and bench. I think they're, you know, they're all playing really, really good footy. Uh, look, I, like, you know, the the fullback there, Chua Piki, he looked okay um, in his limited time last week. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they should win pretty comfortably. And as you said, Coltrane, I think they should be almost a hundred percent lock. Indeed. All right. And I believe the last time you were on this show was after the reverse fixture of this next game back in all the way back in round one, when we thought the Roosters were still good and the Dolphins sprung what we thought was a massive upset, but instead it's another battle of two very equally matched teams. (laughs) The Dolphins come to Sydney. Uh, Are you leading the red army? Uh, into into the stadium on on Saturday night. <laughs> I won't, mate. Unfortunately, uh, I won't shame. won't be making the. I won't be following the Dolphins around the country. If only, but uh, yeah, that that that's uh, another trip to Sydney. They've not really had happy travel happy travels here. But you know, this is a team they already beat this season, and that has to count for something. Uh, it's, I think that it's a very different Dolphins team right now than the one it was at the start of the season, but you mentioned earlier in the South Dragons preview, how you were feeling about the quality of the forward pack, especially right now. Let's talk about that. Um, how are they going to fare against a Roosters team that I guess is, I mean, technically mathematically still playing for their season as much as it sickens me to even concede that they could possibly make the finals. Yeah. Like I think the last, like obviously the last six or so weeks as a Dolphins fan hasn't been fantastic. I mean, my, my thing is, is it hasn't really hit all that hard because this is kind of what we expected of them the entire time, right? Is I I know if I was on in the preseason and then even on after, after that first game, it was just shock and awe. It was like, how is this happening? So I think it's been a bit of a comeback down to earth for them, obviously, but I just feel like, and you never want to question the great man, Wayne Bennett, but I feel like there's a side in, in the dolphins that could be picked. Isaiah Katoa not getting picked over the last like four weeks for, for an Anthony Milford who is being dug up each week from <laughs> like six feet under, it seems like I just, and then Katoa came on last week, like laid on a, an awesome ball that he'd been doing all of the start of the season, you know, playing really, really good footy. Um, you've got Cody Nicarima playing at the back, which look like, like I know you've got to find somewhere for him, I guess, but if Hamaso's not your best fullback, I, I don't really know why he's not playing. Yeah. It's all, it's all just a bit all over the shop at this point in time. The forwards are kind of getting a bit heavy in the legs, which we, you know, kind of thought with their age, their average age, when they got signed, there's not a lot of like Josh Kerr got signed. He hasn't really shown much. I guess the biggest indictment on them is Jared Wallace comes on and actually breathes some light into the, into the middle of the it's park. Right. It seems. Yeah. yeah. Like he's been, he's been almost their best forward this season, which I, if you had have asked me to nominate, uh, you know, a best forward for the Finns at the start of the season, Jared Wallace probably wouldn't have made my top 10. Yeah. I mean, we talked, I think in the preseason, we discussed the lack of depth the Dolphins had. That's understandable when you're building a team relatively from scratch. And mm. I think that they never really, in terms of their forwards, never really got over the loss of Tom Gilbert. And that's yeah. obviously so difficult to replace because he's such a good player. Mm. Um, a guy for the Roosters though, who is making his first appearance for that club since 2018 and his first NRL appearance since 2021. Dylan Napa's back. What a story. 
Mate, how about that? I um, yeah, good Queenslander. You know, has has won uh, won many a game for for Queensland with his um, Nate Miles headbutt style tackling techniques. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see how he goes because uh, it has been a long time and he didn't show much when he was at the doggies. Yeah, uh, I I apologise, but I'm going to tip the Roosters in this one. Nick. Yeah, no, I'm going to do the same, mate. Okay, I hope I'm wrong. Head, head over heart. Head over heart, but yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong too. But anytime I see Cody Nikarima in the number one jersey, I'm never overly confident. No, totally fair. Okay, uh, the big game of the round, I think it's fair to say, fourth versus fifth. Um, Melbourne hosting Canberra. Of course, Canberra fans say that their home ground is Amy Park. And it's good timing because, of course, Amy Park was out of action until literally yesterday with the World Cup games. So, um, yeah, it, it, this could have been at the Telstra Dome, which I don't believe is the Raiders' home ground. So, thankfully, they're back where they belong. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's funny to see the Canberra fans who are usually so uh, nihilistic <laughs> about mm-hmm. like their team just being like, they'll play the Tigers or the Dragons. Oh, yeah, we'll probably lose this one. I'll oh, probably lose this one. And then, but all year they've been like penciling this one in as like a guaranteed two points. And they'll be handing a debut to 18 year old Ethan Strange. You excited? Yeah, look, I mean, he looked really good in. He was great in that Origin uh, game. In the Origin game. I mean, that's like, admittedly, that's all I've seen of him. So I I can't really comment on how he's been going either in Cup or in um, 20s or whatever, whatever they have down there for the younger guys. But uh, yeah, he looked really, really good. I like this kind of move. Like I, I like that as opposed to, you know, throwing in someone who's been there, you know, for a million years and we're just throwing a, a guy back out there, get a bit of excitement. I think the Raiders, yeah, like obviously they got the win last week, but that was another bit like the Eels, very unconvincing mm. uh, victory. So yeah, this this is one of those games where you want to see you want to see the Raiders put up a fight, and and you probably, I mean, if you're a Raiders fan, you want to see them win. But even as a neutral, I I, I do want to see a good game from them because they were very unconvincing last week, as were the Storm for that matter, albeit against Penrith. Well, just for whatever reason, they just they don't fear Melbourne like other teams yeah. do they don't like certainly like my team fears going to melbourne they don't they don't fear them at all and i guess that can be a really powerful thing and i also don't think this melbourne team was as good as melbourne teams of past years so i give canberra every chance of winning this game i think that particularly forward wise um they've got Papali and tarpane in there starting together which they've not really had a lot of recently uh horsborough fresh up his new contract which we'll talk about later like they really that's a really strong middle if they get good games out of hudson young and and Elliot Whitehead. I know both those guys have been a little bit patchy recently. Um, I think they've nailed the hooker rotation as well. I thought they looked really good when Adrian Trevelyan came on last week. I think that they've kind of, Ricky's kind of nailing that rotation with Wolford at the moment. Uh, poor old Tom Starling can't get a run, but yeah, I, I just feel like, again, the biggest weakness in my opinion with Canberra's forward pack is, is that they haven't been getting as much out of their bench as they were early in this year. Like guys like Solo hasn't been giving them as much recently. I've never been a gigantic fan of Emre Gula, although shout out what's up brothers, Condor Park, great place. Um, and, but that's kind of nullified by the fact that Melbourne's Melbourne's once vaunted forward pack is not looking anywhere near as, as strong as it once was, although they do opt to finally hopefully take Nelson off Sofa Solomon off the edge because he's starting on the bench here. So you'd imagine he's not been going to be coming on and playing back row. You'd imagine he's going to be coming in there and ripping it up in the middle. And that might be a smart move by Craig Bellamy because if they get him on 
when Papali'i or Tapane is gone for a rest, they could really, I think that's a portion of the game that they could really, really win. And so if they, if they, if they can sort of, I guess, keep Canberra at arm's length and opening 20, 25 minutes, they could come over the top of them to finish the first half. And that, that's probably going to be their game plan, I think. Yeah, I think a Sofa Solomona and then Katoa coming off the bench too. Yeah. Like, you know, surely he can't spend I'm shocked much he's not starting, more. by the way. Yeah. Like they've gone Tom Eisenhuth over him, but... So I assume I assume they're going to try and sort of blunt everything for the first, you know, 20 or so minutes and then bring Katoa and Nass on for, you know, some explosion in that late, late first half, early second half kind of range. Uh, by by the team they've named here. But I thought Katoa has been really, really good, you know, after having a bit of time off with that eye issue. I thought he's been really impressive. He's been really impressive all year, but I just wondered how he'd come back um, from having a bit of time off. And yeah, he's been really, really good. So, and and surprisingly, I mean, when they dropped uh, Justin Olam, I, I didn't know how that center pairing would go. And, and look, as I said, yes, against Penrith last week, the whole team didn't look all that great, but I thought um, Tonamapaya and Seve have been serviceable. They've been pretty solid. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised later in the season. And if, you know, Pappy keeps going on his upward tra- trajectory, if Nick Meany ends up getting a center spot there, sort of in the finals or something like that. But yeah, Seve and Tonamapaya have been, yeah, pretty, really good. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll take the storm here. I know they've got the hood and all that stuff, but, I've just not been convinced by Canberra at all this season. I think they've been really lucky in most of their wins and in a lot of their losses, just downright terrible. So take Melbourne to win this one comfortably. Yeah, and I probably can't. lock up a top four spot. Yeah, I, I can't tip the Raiders coming off last week. Like I know they're the roller coaster of the NRL, and I get that's their their thing. But yeah, I just yeah, I'd rather I'd rather just not tip them and have them surprise me. Mm. All right, and the last game of the rounds. The Knights hosting the Bulldogs. Uh, if Newcastle are going to are going to make continue this late charge into the finals, which they've been you know on fire the last few weeks, it has to continue here against the Dogs team, who are coming off a bye and do get Luke Thompson back for the first time this year. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, a typical Liz Frank injury. Unfortunately, they are known for extended recovery periods, and it points during the year sort of Phil Gould has gone from saying he'd be back in two weeks to he won't be back this season and all that kind of stuff so he returned a cup I think two weeks ago and he's looked looked pretty good in cup as as far as I'm aware so yeah he, he'll be really good for them to have back Ryan Sutton's back as well he had a bit of a neck issue so they've definitely got some troops back particularly in the forwards but and and then you know the the knights are missing um you know, Bradman best, best yep. and Jacob Saifidi's under a bit of a cloud with that hammy as well so yeah it it definitely evens things up through the forwards a little bit more uh but yeah i i, I look at that backline at the moment from the knights and they're just they they're playing really really well mm. yeah look i mean the dogs aren't playing for a whole lot but you know this I think this is probably a game that they won't come into just thinking that they're they're going to get lapped. I think they're that they've got a definite chance in this game. I think that Thompson back is massive. I think he's a really really good player. Sutton, as you said, as well. So, like forward wise, they, they they're looking all right. Like that pack isn't terrible with with like, Tavita Pangai. Bill Kickow's been back for a couple of weeks now. Jacob Preston's played really good footy this year, and then Thompson on, Thompson on the bench. Uh, so. I don't know. I, I think that there's a chance, especially, you know, if if they don't have either Saifidi in this one, the Knights forward pack, that's that's a lot of punch that they've suddenly just lost. I know they're already without Daniel, but 
as you said, if, if Jacob can't go, then they're looking at a, a starting rotation of who, what Leo Thompson and and maybe Jack Hetherington or something with Matt, mm. Matt, Matt Croker coming off the bench. And I'm a big Matt Croker guy, but th- that's a lot of firepower to replace in those Saifidi boys. And a game that the dogs, I think at that point especially, would be eyeing up as one that they can win. That's a lot of ifs though. And the Knights have just been so good recently that it's difficult to go past them. And with, I just think their back five is going to have an absolute field day with the Bulldogs counterparts. Yeah, that's the feeling I get. I feel like the forwards, uh, the forward battle will be uh, pretty, like, yeah, very solid. And, and there'll be, either team could get a slight edge there. But just looking at that back line, I mean, Kalen is just on another planet at the moment. He is playing some world-class footy and sort of dragging, you know, even last weekend, the Finns actually looked really, really good and looked like they had the game not one, but they, they look like they were having some sort of, you know, I guess favorable, favorable outcomes there. But Kalen just put team on his back and went, thank you. I'll just take that one, take that one for the night. So if he does that again, I, I think there could be a bit of a, bit of a score run up if, if, if Kalen is feeling that way on Sunday afternoon. Yep. All right. So I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take the Knights also. Um. Okay. So NRLW wise, who, before we talk about this guys, what, who, which player or team has impressed you the most so far through three rounds? Mate, oh, like I think the Tigers. The Tigers yep. have been really, really good. Bovetti Welsh coming back off an ACL. Um, and this is nothing against the NRLW as a whole, but you you kind of and and certainly I've done some interviews with like the likes of Sammy Bremner and those kind of guys, and and they've said you know, the rehab sort of facilities and and and, and available to them, you know doesn't doesn't compare to what the NRL guys are, are sort of dealing with and NRL guys struggle in that first season back you know it often mm. takes them a little bit of time but Bovetti Welsh has just been really really good she's playing you know in a new position like I, I know she's usually at fullback um, but yeah I've been really really impressed with the Tigers I I didn't see them doing all that well but they've yeah they've been winning games they've been yeah competitive in the ones even that they've lost mm. I, like I've been really impressed with them yeah, no, no bow this week though. Of course, failing the yes, HIA yeah, yeah, last yeah. week, which does suck because I think the Cowboys are a team that they could get a win over. We'll get to them in a second. First game is at 11 a.m. on Saturday. God, <laughs> if you're a footy tragic, you can get footy from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday night. What a what a what a smorgasbord we've got. Uh, yeah, the Dragons they were they were well beaten by the Roosters last week. Um, I, I think that that win that they had just was kind of an indictment on Parramatta more than anything else. Uh, and the Raiders have been pretty handy the last two weeks. Oh, and I, I think that they, I'll probably take the Raiders both in this one in a close one. Yeah, I just I haven't seen much from the Dragons this year to suggest to me that they're they're going to do much. So, and I'm loving what Samoa Tauf is doing in the middle there she's, for the Raiders. She's so good. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders there too. Yeah, and then uh, where's Totally Workwear Stadium in Brisbane? I've got no idea. You know, I was doing prep for our pod on Sunday night and I still haven't looked it up, but I've never heard of that before. I'm it must Google be it like right an old school stadium that's got a name change. But yeah, totally Workwear Stadium will be the scene of a double header. First up is the Cowboys against the Tigers. I think no bow is a big out and that could honestly be enough to swing me towards North Queensland, who I don't think are as bad as their ninth place on the ladder indicates. 
Mate, Totally Workwear Stadium is literally five minutes down the road from my house. Oh, well, you better be there for this double header. <laughs> so it's East. It's East East Leagues Club. Okay. So I, I might go. I yeah. didn't even know this. I'll take my daughter. That's fantastic. Fantastic. They had a total overhaul of the stadium wow. in 2022. 5,000 yeah, capacity. Formerly Suzuki Stadium. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of Suzuki Stadium, but yeah. never Totally Workwear Stadium. Well, so there you um, go. Yeah, they're back. Totally work. Get 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 your high vis on and get down there, mate. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think the Cowboys have been as bad as ninth place indicates. No. Uh, I, I like them doing this one, close one again. I think that, yeah, it's just you know, it, the, the, obviously the talent pool at the NRLW has is so much more shallow, and it, you have you only have so few star players on each team, and when you lose one to a concussion, mm. it's it's very difficult to replace and. Yeah, that that is enough for me to swing my tip to the yeah. To North and Queensland she well. she has been. I, I mentioned like uh, the Tigers have been the the team that surprised me a lot this season. Like she has been. Bovetti Welsh has been a big part of of that side. Like they've still got Saratoga Tuki and yep. Well, Kezi Kezi Apps and 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 you know even Po has been really good in the front row. But yeah, I think. Uh, I like if I didn't say the Tigers in terms of teams who'd impress me, I'd say the Cows. Well, the Cows of yeah. One interesting thing though is Lasana Lutu is now starting at five eighth, mm. who I think has been quite effective coming off yep. the bench for them. So yeah, let's see what she can do for a full mm. seventy minutes. I think Kyrie had quietly had a quite good season in a in a team that's yep. been struggling. But yeah, uh, Cowboys for me in this one. Yeah, I'll go same. Uh, I think this one could get a bit ugly with the Broncos. Oh yeah, firm favourites against the Eels, the winless Eels. They've um, yeah, uh, just it's not feeling great. They do get LC Albert in, which is good. Um, mm. a fantastic forward. But uh, Kennedy Charrington is currently named in the team. We'll get to that in the news segment. She won't be playing. So yeah, that's again, as I just said, like it's it's so hard to replace your best players. Yeah, and they've now lost their best one of their best players for four weeks due to that suspension. Mm. So. Yeah, Brisbane for me here. Yeah, by any case. They were they were they were so good last week. I think they're yeah. they're figuring some stuff out. Maybe, yeah, especially like getting the ball to their outside backs early and often worked a treat last week. I think they better do that again with with no troubles. You go back to round one and how easily the Tigers cut Parramatta to pieces on both edges in that second half. I think we could see similar signs here. Mate, that uh, centre Hufunga, she was absolute a weapon monster last week. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was just like far out. So mm. yeah. No, I think uh, I think the Bronx will do it handily here. Yep, and then at, once again at the very precise time of twelve oh three p.m., we have Cronulla hosting the Roosters at Shark Park. I believe that is a curtain raiser to the Titans Sharks men's game at two o'clock. Yes, yeah. So, oh boy, I, like I, I really struggle to go past the Roosters. I think yeah, the Sharks too. have got Tonegado there and Jada Taylor. Um, you know, so they've got some real star power, but. I was shocked when um, when the Roosters lost in round two. Like, I didn't see that coming. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I just think, yeah, the Roosters are just – you talk about star power, their whole, their whole side is just full of it. So, yeah, I've, I've got to go with the Roosters in this one. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. And finishing off the round, first versus second up at the Hunter – uh, with the Knights hosting the Titans, um, the Titans I think have really exceeded expectations so so far this season, and they get they get a couple of very important players back as well, with um, Emily Bass and Jamie Chapman returning as well. So exciting for them, and of course on the at the other side, I think one one of the best forwards the Knights have in Caitlin Johnson, out for a week with a high shot. So 
that's some big. That's a big out for the Knights and a couple of big ins for the Gold Coast. Yeah, absolutely. I it's um I think this one, if you had gone in the preseason, like everyone would have said, oh yeah, the Knights will absolutely mm. romp this in. Like it won't even be close. But the Titans looked really, really good. I actually have treated uh, Sienna Lafipo, the the halfback there in the past. Her, oh, her and her family all uh, all come down and see us at uh, Active Care where I work, and so I have really enjoyed watching her rise. Unfortunately, uh, with their usual halfback Talia Fui Mayono is injured at the moment, but yeah, really good to see Sienna doing really well. So I'll give her a quick shout out. But apart from that, I think I still yeah I don't want to say this because I've just said you know I've loved watching. The Titans go, but still at home. Surely, um, surely can get the job done there. You would think. Uh yeah. I, I'm gonna have a little zag here. I'm gonna zag. Oh, I like it. I'm gonna have a little zag. I'm gonna tip the Titans in, in an upset. Like now you make me feel season. real bad because I've. Oh, don't. Against, it's fine. It's alright. Tipped against my my uh, my home girls, but uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I like. Uh, that's the first one we've gone against each other, so we've got to do something. Yeah. How much does it suck, by the way, that our teams don't have NRLW teams? Oh, mate, like trying to get so Isabel, my daughter, is just like footy mad at the moment. And all she keeps asking is like, when do the Dolphins girls play? And I'm mate, like, this is so hard to explain it's, it's, to you. It's so frustrating. And yeah. again, like, well, mate, you're probably more likely to get one in the future than we are at the moment with how yeah. many Sydney teams already have one. But mm. ugh, it's just super annoying. I hate it, especially with just like the focus on women's sport right now with the Matildas as well yeah. and the Netball World Cup. It's like, well, God, it's so annoying that I don't have like I like the Sharks, I like the Tigers, but it's just so annoying that I don't have a South team that they would probably play standalone games at like Redfern Oval or something that could go down and watch. It'd be fucking fantastic. But no, not allowed, they said. <laughs> Corrupt uh top brass at the NRL, who I'll never forgive for any of their various misdeeds against me personally. Mate, they're just they're just up against the darlings of the NRL. You know, your, right. your Rabbitohs, your Dolphins. You know, the prides of the league. <laughs> uh, the, actually, the, the only two teams to never lose at Magic Round. There you go, mate. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh yes, it will. Yes, Simi Renrandra. All right, some news before we get out of here. Let's start with probably the biggest story of the week, the ongoing Payne Haas soap opera. (laughs) Uh, Reports say the Broncos were offering him, what, the biggest deal in club history or something. Kevin Walters telling Triple M that he expected Payne to re-sign, but uh, we're hearing now that he could test the market on November 1st. I feel like this story's just been playing out for so goddamn long. Yeah, mate, it's just never ending, is it? I think, um, like, there was a little bit of, I think, a bit of grandstanding kind of from both sides. Like, I know Payne Haas came out and said, look, I'm going to test the market on November 1st. But then out of nowhere, Kevy was in the post-match presser saying, yep, no, nah, we're, we're, like, confident we're going to sign him, you know, before the finals. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the managers come out and said, no, you know, we're still going to test, test the market and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's just a whole lot of bullshit at the moment. Uh, pardon the French, but uh, yeah, I think I I think Payne would be crazy to leave the Bronx if mm. what he is saying is what he wants. You know, if he wants big money, but also you know a chance to be competitive and win comps, it does look like that 
the Broncos. Yeah, you're on the team that them. currently has the most wins in the NRL. That's right. Like I, I don't see how, like you know, if if an extra two or three hundred grand to go to the doggies is is what he wants, then fair enough. But I don't think the dogs are anywhere near um, competing for a comp as yet. Uh, and and look, it is. I can't remember what it was. I, I hate to say. I think it was Gordy Tallis, maybe. But it is a point that, and and I know speaking to a few people in around the Dolphins, there's there's actually quite a few boys in the team who are loving it because of what they can get for their money in and around Redcliffe in terms of housing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Living, they're building, yeah. you know, they're building absolute mansions on the water up in Newport, which is a you know, if you can call it the ritzy suburb in Redcliffe. But they're, they're, you know, and they're spending money that would get them way less than that down in Sydney and, and they're, they're living in their dream homes and stuff like that. So that is, it is definitely something to consider is that with the way the markets are at the moment, if real estate is something that interests him and family and all that kind of stuff, then the reality is that he, it goes a lot further for him. Unless, unless he really wants to leave Brisbane, I can't, I agree with you. Like, I can't imagine, like we're not here to count someone else's money, but like, if the Bronx are offering you a million dollars a season, you're hardly going to be on the breadlines, are you? So, like, is that extra money really going to be worth? You go from playing at currently the best team in the league, win-wise, and probably one of the top two by any metric along with Penrith. You play in front of massive crowds every single week. You've got – you're super-duper famous up there because they live, eat, and breathe rugby league in Brisbane where, where they don't to the same extent in Sydney. We just don't. That's just a reality. You play at the best stadium in the country. And you're going to contend for titles. And on top of that, you are going to get close to a million dollars, if not more than a million dollars a year. And so would you, is, is, is $1.2 million really worth playing at a cavernous ANZ stadium in front of 12,000 people at a team that's shit and is not going to win a comp anytime soon? I just can't imagine why, if those were the two options, why he would do that. Now, having said that, if the Roosters came up with that, improved offer. Yeah, well, I think the storm that's have a been story, the storm or... have been mentioned as well. Like that's probably the one that it's way you're right. Well, not if you, if you're about family though, you're not really going to move yeah, to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. But uh I'm assuming there's not much family in Melbourne. I'm just making an assumption, <laughs> but uh I don't know. But yeah, to me I think that it, it, there isn't a more he can't really get a more palatable role anywhere else than where mm. he is right now. And I think it'd be crazy to, to give that up for like a tiny bit of extra cash. And again, as you said, like 1.2 million in Sydney probably doesn't take as far as 1.0 million takes you in Brisbane anyway. So, mm. all right, let's move on. Uh, you mentioned Kennedy Sherrington earlier, four game ban for that spear tackle. I think she, I don't think anyone could have any arguments about this one. Yeah. I, I think the one thing which I see a lot of argument online about, you know, um, deserves to be suspended for 10 weeks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think we need to remember that the NRLW season is only only, nine weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Nine weeks. So like a four week ban equivalence is like a 10 week ban in the NRL. So, you know, like when you look at it that way, like I think, I think those tackles should all be, you know, suspended pretty heavily. What did, did, um, so like the, the, off the top of my head, the most recent example. Well, Cleary is, did a bad one. Yeah, well, um, I was thinking Carl Lawton as well, yeah, and they and got Carl and they got four. Well, they both got like four game bans, right? That's what I mean. So, so I, I think if you go either way, I think if you go like you never, oh, I hate the word consistency, right? But if you go off precedence, 
you could almost argue that a four to five week ban in the NRL has been lenient because mm. if you're going to go four weeks in the NRLW, it's a really good point. Yeah. I think uh, I wouldn't be against it. Cause I think, yes, they, they can go wrong, but you talk about, you talk about the, a lot of your doubters sort of carry on about, Oh, it's not about the, you know, it shouldn't be about the injury. It should be about the act. And if it's about the act, then these are the tackles that should be suspended very heavily. I agree it's because the like, you, like I don't think there's any maliciousness behind this. No, but, that's right. Like it, it, You can't do it. The degree of danger is huge. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders have apparently locked Corey Horsburgh into a big contract extension. A great season for the Red Horse continues uh, in the region of $2.3 million, we're told. So he'll be there until the end of 2027. Really good footy player. Uh, the fans love him down there. He seems to be enjoying his football down there. Um, I lo- would have loved to get his uh, cousin Nick's opinions on it, on it, <laughs> on it but he's uh, currently gallivanting around New York, I believe. Well, he's, so. a he's a Redcliffe junior. Uh, how do they let him go so this is what i'm saying the only thing that's disappointing about this is that it's another few years that the dolphins don't have an opportunity to sign him one of the best photos of the year i think any like uh, leading up to his origin debut was his old man in a raiders hawaiian shirt and a Redcliffe dolphins cap and i was Mm. like perfect how good is that yeah and sam burgess will be uh, starting his head coaching career with warrington uh, in the Super League. So he'll be leaving the South Sydney staff at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of the players have nothing but good things to say than, yeah. about him. But again, like it's it's just difficult to know how much of that is like, you know, just lip service or how and how effective he's been as a coach. But, you know, it's a good coaching staff to be around. There's obviously a lot of highly regarded people in that team at the Rabbitohs right now. And um, yeah, big opportunity for Burgess. I know he's had aspirations to to do this for a while. Yeah. Um, and who knows, maybe you could come back at some point and, and succeed Jason Dimitri after he wins six comps in a row. We'll see. Rides off into the sunset. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I, I saw this. I don't really want to get into it, but oh, Nico Hines said Brad Fittler shattered his confidence. No, you're kidding. Shock horror. Poor Nico. Oh, boy. That's yeah. just really disappointing. Really disappointing. He's pretty good on Saturday, though. So good yep. work, South. All right. Before we get out of here, a quick shout out to people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. You get access to our Discord server, a third and sometimes fourth show every week, uh, merchandise discounts, entry into next year's Coltrane Cup, and plenty more. And I, uh, I believe Brian will allow you to send him one photo of a body part to diagnose if you're in at least the second or third tier. Is that true? As long as it's uh, suitable for a family time slot, PG rated, then yes. All right. Show show us your calves, everyone. And thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, call me King of the Mountain. Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh, Scoresborough, Jace Felix with Jason, Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outs Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lockie Lewis in the News, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Lyle Landley for NRL and RLPA Mediator, Mads, Taylor's version, Matthew Duckett, Michael, Blinter, Glieben, Glauken, Glauben, Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift, my name is Matt Bungard and I love the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Oh. That was much worse. My ding ding dog is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Raymond, the Duke's box, Stone, Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, see you in Vegas, Shunter, Ty, the Black Vegetable, the Combat Vehicle Returns, Thor, Tom Hardy, was and Westlife Podcast. Thank you so much. 
for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. I hated that. That's mate. That's a lot longer than it used to be. So I'm glad to hear that the mm. uh, the the Boom Rookies fans are out there giving you support. That they they are. And if you would like to support Brian, where can everyone find your stuff? Oh yes. Uh yeah. NRL Physio on all your all your socials. Let's and... be real. Every fucking person who's listening to the show knows who you are. Every yeah, single correct. one. Yeah. You, if you, if you don't, then uh, I had to then... hold a phone and take a photo of you and some guy when we were walking out of Caxton Street <laughs> at Magic Man. You're proper rugby league famous now, mate. Uh, I, I would, yeah, if you're not, if you're not. If you're not aware of who NRL Physio is, I, I would be flabbergasted if we have a single patron. But yeah, if a single single patron, single listener, I should say. Uh, so yeah. Yep. Go get around go. it. Just tell me, you keep making head, headgear jokes. Uh, 12 jokes have, have 12 jokes died since he scored? I yeah, know that 12, wasn't your 12, thing, but like. 12, yeah, no, 12 jokes have definitely died. Headgear is still going strong. Actually, I'll be honest, the ones that haven't gotten old yet are the like, where's he supposed to go? He can't disappear. Like that I, kind of stuff still gets me going. I, I still, it doesn't happen as much now because I think people are less illiterate than they used to be, but <laughs> I do enjoy still sending you anytime I read that someone has suffered syndesmosis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm slowly winning that battle, mate. Slowly. Well, uh, you would hope so, given that it's like, like there's no argument. No. <laughs> You're just right. No. Oh, oh, there. Is, according to many, there is an argument, mate. There is. I do. I will say that since we started memeing it, there are a lot more headgears in the NRL than there were a couple of years ago. Mate, I can't get over it. I, can't, I, it's, it's, it's concerning as much as it is. Uh, yeah, heartwarming because I mean, headgear do serve a purpose. I will. They just, yeah, I just don't. Uh, yeah, you just worry that people are wearing them for the wrong reasons. All right. Well, we will be back on Monday. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for filling in. Hopefully, we have you back on again very soon. Probably not for a Dolphins final preview, but for something else, I guess. All right. Say goodbye. See you guys. That's goodbye from me. <laughs>